With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Tonight, did we just witness a dead cat bounce? And why are U.S. frackers saying, hey, don't get your hopes us up for us to swoop in and save you from these high gas prices. You're listening to Simply Money. I'm Amy Wagner along with Steve Sprovac. Steve, a lot of big economic money-related headlines. Uh, let's dive in. Huge rebound yesterday, and we haven't seen green in the market in a while. We have been yeah. in the red for far too long. What what was that all about? I I, I mean, it, it it's, you know, I, I live and breathe this stuff, and all of a sudden things go haywire sometimes down, yesterday up. I I, I mean, there was nothing For in the For apparently no reason, right? Yeah, there was nothing out there that said, oh, okay, this war is over. Oh, inflation's gone. Let's just start buying. No, it, it, it was really interesting to see that, and, and I think we're going to see more of that, Amy. I, I, I mean— you know, when you have a big uh, sustained correction like like we've been going through, um, there's a lot of money on the sidelines. There's a yeah. lot of money sitting in money markets earning diddly. And, and by the way, that's a technical term. And, <laughs> and, and you know, there that money is waiting to get put to use. And, and, you know, at some point, the algorithms, the individual, whoever's making the decision says, OK, that's it. That's it. Where I'm comfortable investing it. And, and all of a sudden, everybody jumps on board. It, it's really interesting how it seems like no one wants to be the last one out the door when things are heading south and no one wants to be the last one to miss the big swing up and and i i again i think you're going to continue to see that until we get some some clarification on what's going on in some of these big issues that markets are watching like the ukraine like inflation well and you mentioned right technical terms here how about this one a dead cat bounce i know Right? Such a strange term, but it essentially means when we are in a period where markets are just tanking and tanking and tanking and tanking, and it feels like they cannot possibly come back up, well, even a dead cat bounces at some point. And so the question is, this this 2% rally that we saw, or the, the rally that we saw yesterday that ended with markets up 2%, um, was that a dead cat bounce? Well, yeah, yeah. it's hard to say, right, in the middle of things, because we don't know where we're going from here. But... It was I know, nice to see green there for, you know, for a little it's bit. It's always nice. <laughs> it, it, it's always nice. Here, here's This is a great time to revisit that whole market timing issue, Amy, because yep. it sounds so reasonable, like towards the end of last year, hey, things are high. I'm uncomfortable with how, how high the indexes have gotten in the stock market. Let's just get out and get back in when the dust settles. When do you know the dust has settled? You yeah. know, it's it's when you're in the middle of it that these day-to-day -day decisions are, are are really really tough and and I I will propose impossible to time and and you know that's why when you look at this, oh, okay, yeah, maybe yesterday was the right time to get in. Then, you know, today things are down right right from the get-go and and you know, it, it's you don't know where the trend began, where it ended, where the bottom was until months, weeks, months, maybe even years later. Uh, well, you know? and Steve, I would say we had probably the best 
clearest example of this that we might ever have in our lifetime about two years ago, right? Yeah. Yeah. Markets were in a free fall. There was this pandemic starting, this this illness moving from China into the U.S., so much unknown. And yet, like a, a month into right, things being really bad, markets at the bottom. Markets started to rebound. There was no reason, right, right why they right. hit the bottom then. We had only begun to see all of the ripple effects of what the coronavirus would have here in the U.S. and globally, yet there was this rebound that didn't stop actually until the, roughly the beginning of this year. I, I, I know. And, and I'll Who tell would have you, predicted that? After doing this for so many years, uh, you know, first of all, I'm very comfortable not knowing what I don't know. You know, a <laughs> yes. lot of people try to And admitting it. that, right? I am yeah. very comfortable not knowing what I don't know. But one of the things I've learned is, you know, there's the old, a lot of these old catchphrases are true. It's darkest before the dawn. I, I, I mean, when when you look back in time, where was the bottom? And you think back, okay, if that was the bottom two years ago, what were we talking about? What were we thinking then? Well, I'll tell you what we were talking and thinking about, how bad this is and how it could be getting much, much worse. And there was it, no end in sight. No end in sight whatsoever and nothing to make the market go up from that point that I saw even not just at that time, but even now. Yeah. It's just, you know, at one point, and they call it market capitulation. At, at, at some point, investors throw up their hands and say, this is getting ugly. I'm out. And it kind of boils down to, okay, when there's no more sellers left, uh, the only thing left are buyers. Just yeah. like when there are no more buyers left, there's nothing left but sellers. That's why I was getting nervous towards the end of last year when, you know, I've got 80-year-old people with a few extra bucks in the bank saying, I got to get in. This market's finally making me feel good. It's like, mm, this is not a good sign for the market, yeah. you know? Yes, yes. All right. What else is not a good sign right now? The latest inflation numbers. We are moving in the wrong Just direction here, folks. Yeah. Yes. So we saw 7.5% in January from a year before. Now, 7.9% is the latest number, up 8%. And of course, that's even worse, right? We were at 42 plus years yeah. since we've seen inflation like this. this. This only continues. It will be interesting, Steve, because as much as we have talked about recently, um, the, the Russian war in Ukraine uh, on this show and its impact on markets, I have a feeling that next week, as far as the economy, all eyes will be on the Federal Reserve, our nation's central bank, because <laughs> they have the, the super difficult tightrope walk yeah. act to make the call of uh, increasing interest rates in order to try to slow down this inflation without slowing the economy at the same time. And then you heap on top of that, of course, what's going on in Ukraine right now and how that might impact the economy. And uh, grateful that I am not making this decision. Um, but Americans are getting tired. We're getting tired of paying higher prices for things. Yeah. I, I mean, it seems like every time we bring up the subject of inflation, we add the phrase 40-year high. I, I yeah. mean, we haven't seen these numbers since late 70s, early 80s. And, yeah, February's numbers, 7.9% inflation, are higher than January's numbers. You know, is March going to be even higher? I, I've read a lot of analysts and, and obviously studied and lived history on, on this. I, I just don't see inflation settling down for at least a few months. It, it's, it's with us.
Well, and then we've got gas prices on top of that, right? I mean, sure. that is probably the pain that we are feeling the most acutely right now. Uh, and this is interesting just to tell you, just to put numbers to the whiplash we're all feeling. The retail price of a regular grade gallon of gas has increased about 20%. Yeah, it's huge. Just this yeah. month, 20% yeah. this month. We're at about $4.30 a gallon um, on average across the country. Crazy numbers. You're listening to Simply Money tonight here on 55KRC. As we dig into the headlines that we think are impacting you, your wallet, your 401k, in uh, speaking of the wallet and the gas prices, if you think that U.S. frackers are going to come in, right? And I think there's many who have said, well, we've got the resources here in the U.S. Why are we paying more for right. You know, why are we paying more for oil right now when we've got the ability here? Well, frackers are kind of weighing in on this and saying not so fast. Yeah, and, and, and you know, there's there's a lot to getting oil out of the ground, a lot to it. And if you're going to commit millions and millions and millions of dollars to opening up some new shale formation or uncapping a well, I mean, it's not when, – when you've got a well that you've capped, it's not just, you know, taking a plug out and sticking the pipe back down and pumping it out. I mean, these are – you know, these are very involved projects that are very, It's not very like when expensive. you get the milk out and you put it back no, in and you open it back no. up. That's what you're saying? <laughs> yeah, exa- exactly. So, you know, we, we've proven two years ago we were energy exporters. I mean, yeah. we were producing so much that we were actually exporting for the first time in decades. Well, we're not anymore. We've reduced production. We've reduced distribution capability. And, and that's one of the big reasons that gas was rising. I, I mean, it had doubled from $2 a gallon to almost $4 a gallon before the war started. Yeah. So this is not uh, just about the war and the supply chain disruption. It's exacerbated by that. But this is this is policy. And if you're committing tens of millions of dollars of your company's money to reopen a well or drill a new area um, that may or may not pan out, you've got to know that a year or two years down the road that you're not going to have the rug pulled out from underneath you again. Yeah. You know, so they're being very cautious, as they should, in, in determining uh, the oil, oil companies in determining where the new production is going to come from. And it's not a light switch. It, at, in best of times, it takes months and months to get new oil out of the ground. And they've got to be reassured that the, the future is not going to change. So, you know, th- this is a really difficult uh, environment for any oil producer. But I'd like to see us get we've proven we can do it. I'd like to see us get back where we were two years ago so we're independent of these conflicts, independent of uh, overseas exporting of oil, and, and we can produce enough oil for our own uses in this country. It'd be yeah, nice. but, but straight out, straight from that industry, right, one oil exec said exactly this. We're dealing with shortages of labor, yep. labor, sand, equipment. It's going to take a good 18 months just to ramp it up. So this is a long-term problem. Yes, U.S. shale can respond, can help the world. It's going to take time. And a lot of caveats, right? Okay. So it is not, to your point, it is not as easy as we'd like to make it out to be. And it is certainly not going to be a quick fix. And right now, when you go to the pump and every time you're paying 20, 30 cents more a gallon than you were just the last time you filled up last week, 18 months can sound like yeah. a really, hey, Amy, really I don't, don't want to know. I know what you drive. I don't want to know what it costs you to fill <laughs> up your tank right now. Oh, my goodness. $73 is my record still, um, but I need to fill up again this week, so I will certainly report back. Amazon, also in the headlines right now, going to split their stock for the first time in more than 20 years. During that time, Stephen, this is an amazing number, their stock has gained more than 4,500%. Wow. Yeah, I I mean, what an American success story of, of a company just 
you know, not just getting into the online purchasing. Every retailer has tried to do this, but to do it to the extent that Amazon has been able to get into all of our lives where pretty much everybody now is comfortable with online purchasing. And I know the Amazon trucks come to my house. I'm sure it's come to yours. I I, I mean, this is a great success story. Yeah, so we're talking about the 20 to 1 stock split, right? Why would they do that? Yeah. Well, they're trying to make, it's, it's really a marketing thing, right? If you already own stock in Amazon, one share of stock, you'll now have 20 shares of stock that are worth the same amount. And, and if you think about it as a piece of pizza, um, you still have the same slice of that pie. You can cut it up into a lot of individual it's pieces. Still the same but that pizza. Doesn't yeah. make your piece of the pie any bigger, but they do this for marketing reasons, right? It, it makes retail investors like you and I feel better about investing. It makes it affordable, right? Yeah. For, for some people, when you look at the fact that uh, shares closed at about $2,800 um, yesterday, this would drop the price down to about 140 bucks. much more affordable for a lot of people who might want to jump in there. Yeah. I, I mean, owning a stock that then splits doesn't make any money uh, on the split. Again, if you, you have 20 times the number of shares, it's worth one twentieth of the amount that that it was prior to the split. But you know what? There's a reason the stock went up to $2,700 a share. They're successful. Anytime a company grows and becomes more profitable, your little tiny ownership that is represented by a share is going to be worth more over time. So it tells you that there is a lot of success there. And what investors are betting is is that buy the stock either before or after the split is that their success is going to continue. So, you know, it can be almost be a self-fulfilling prophecy. Whatever the reason is, if there are more buyers attracted to the stock, well, more buyers and sellers means it may go up in price. So I'm not telling anybody to go out and buy the stock because of the split, but it just gives – it's a perfect example of – what happens with a successful company that gets bigger and more profitable over time for its shareholders? Coming up in three minutes, which would you prefer, you know, a root canal or an IRS audit? Well, we can't help you with a dentist, but we've got 10 things you need to avoid doing in order to avoid that audit. You've been listening to Simply Money here on 55KRC, the talk station. This is a bit of a crazy story. Yeah, it's it's scary. Yeah. I, somebody's reaching into mailboxes, and if they find a check, and, and this is, you know, you put your, your paying uh, by check, one of your bills, and you leave it out there for the mailman. Somebody's coming by, grabbing your mail, and they're taking that check, washing off the ink with the amount and who it's payable to, and putting their own name and a much larger amount and they're getting away with thousands of dollars. It's a huge check forgery scheme going on in Madeira. I mean, quiet little Madeira. Yeah. You know, somebody's going around and doing this. One, one thief turned in a $118 check that was for a mattress payment into $11,800. They yeah. added a couple of zeros to it, and, and that guy's out that money right now. Yeah, so just the warning from police is like, hey, we know it's super convenient to walk to the end of your driveway and put your bills in there, drop it off at the mail, or yeah. drop it off at the post office if you can. Um, I have actually have secure mailboxes in our neighborhood where I have, to, I have to walk farther to get to it, but once <laughs> I put it in there, no one's yeah. getting to it. So I was actually thinking, I'm like, I'm grateful for that. Um, but hey, pay your bills online if you're comfortable with that. I know some people still are not, but you know, if you're someone who also deals with late bills sometimes, 
sometimes auto pay is a great way to avoid that altogether. Your credit score will thank you as well. Uh, you know, for most Americans, um, speaking of the mail, the one letter you don't want to get is from the IRS um, saying, oops, it's time for a tax audit. We think something might be up with you. And so there's a lot of weird things, right, Steve, that have gone on over yeah. the past year with the pandemic. You've had stimulus money. You've had the child tax credit where you're not getting the money that you would have at tax time and they gave it to you during the year, but it's more and it's incredibly confusing. So let's just go over some things that we think you can be doing right now in order to avoid the audit. Yeah. And, and the first two right out of the blocks are, are you know, the, if you if you mess up on these two, one of these two items, you will get audited. That's all there is to it. First of all, file. I, I mean, yeah. some people so kind there's of forget. That. You got to take care of that because that's an automatic one. Um, but also, uh, underreporting of income. You know, when you get your 1099s, if you've got a brokerage account with taxable income or wherever the source is, all you have to do is forget to include one when you put down your income. The computers are real good at matching up 1099s and, and any source of income along with what you file. That's an automatic. And, and usually you can resolve that because, you know, if you're not cheating, you don't have to worry about it. It's just a, a a mistake. Um, but if you underreport intentionally or unintentionally, yeah, they're going to call you in over that one. Yes. And, and so if you have claimed any education credits, right, make sure that you've got this right. There's actually two kinds that were issued last year, the American Opportunity Tax Credit and then the Lifetime Learning Credit. Make sure you've got those straight because a major red flag is claiming either both of them, right, which you can't get in can't the same year. Yes. They're claiming multiple tax breaks for the same college expenses. Um, there's certain forms that you have to submit. This is something you got to look at, I would say, more than once to make sure you've got it right. Yeah. And, and keep in mind, there's a big difference between tax credits and tax deductions. Yeah. Ta tax credits, that's where, okay, if you get a $1 tax credit, that's $1 less you have to pay in tax. Guess which one the IRS is more concerned about? Yeah, they want to make sure you've got legitimate deductions. Yeah. But if you're taking a tax credit, that's, that's that much more money out of the IRS's tax coffer. So they're going to pay more attention to that. And with the tax law changes that, that occurred last year, all the stimulus payments and, and tax credits that were kind of new to people, it's easy to make a mistake. So we're, we're not tax experts. But you might want to consider using one at least for 2021 because of these changes so that you get it right when you do file. It was a wonky year, right? I it mean, was. there's weird things happened and uh, things that when you file your taxes on your own or use a program you've never had to deal with before. And of course, one of those is that child tax credit. You got some money in advance if you've got kids under a certain age and a certain uh, income threshold, um, but inaccurately reporting the amount of that yeah. payment, misstating your income, uh, right? Under underrepresenting your income in order to get more money from those credits. Major red flag. Hey, I've I've got one. I we talk a lot about cryptocurrency, Bitcoin. Did you see the new question this year? No. It's have you received, sold, traded, or disposed of any form mm. of virtual currency? Yeah. Guess what? They're on you. And and remember, we knew it was coming. Well, remember how anonymous this is, and nobody can track it. Ah uh, ah uh, ah. Uh. <laughs> the IRS can track your digital currency transactions, so you got to start coming clean on that, folks. Hey, and it's interesting that it's being taxed. Same way a stock is. If you hold crypto less than a year, it's ordinary income, just like you earned it on a job. If you hold cryptocurrency longer than a year, now it's a gain, a long-term gain at a much reduced tax rate. But, yeah, you've got to declare it, and they probably will be on to you if you don't.
Yeah. And if you make a lot of charitable contributions, make sure you keep track of those. You keep the receipts, the emails that they send you, the canceled checks, whatever written acknowledgments you get, um, because this could be a major red flag. Um, You know, I take um, a lot of clothing and things like that to St. Vincent de Paul near my house. I never get the slip. I never pay attention to it. But I have friends who take a significant amount there. They track it. They even take pictures of the items that they're taking just to make sure, hey, if this ever comes back on us, we legitimately did take that much worth of donations there. So you just have to keep really good records and receipts of everything that you're um, that you're claiming on your on on your income taxes. Here's a simply money point. Avoiding these red flags will likely mean you avoid the IRS knocking on your door, telling you it's time for an audit. And that's something we would all like to avoid. Coming up at 634, why perfection isn't always necessary when it comes to your credit score. You're listening to Simply Money here on 55KRC, the talk station. You're listening to Simply Money tonight. I'm Amy Wagner along with Steve Sprovac. You know, we talk about the importance of credit scores on the show a lot because over the course of your lifetime, if you do not have a good credit score, it can cost you thousands, sometimes tens of thousands of dollars in, in loans and in inter- higher interest. But what do you really need to be shooting for, right? Do you need a perfect score? Brit, uh, Brit Scarce is joining us tonight. He is the Director of Business Development for Emory Federal Credit Union. Of course, he is Simply Money's credit expert. Brit, I obsess. I'm not going to lie. I obsess about my credit score sometimes, and I will make decisions about it. And my husband's always reminding me, like, Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. You have an 800 plus credit score. It, it doesn't matter. I'm not bragging here whatsoever. I'm just saying uh, I want the best. Yeah, you're just very protective over it. And a lot <laughs> exactly. of people will do that. Uh, they'll call me and they'll say, oh, my gosh, I pulled my credit score and it went down from, you know, 802 to you know 800. Uh, you know, am, 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 you know, am I going to be OK? It's like, oh, come on. You know, you're doing right. great. Uh, you know, credit scores range from 300 to 850. Okay, and you know, this is your uh, the FICO range, which is the the versions uh, of uh, credit scores that are used most by lenders. Is the, are the FICO scores, and there are different uh, there are different types of FICO scores, but 
basically, if if you uh, are striving for that perfect 850 credit score, uh, you don't need to be stressing yourself out over that because, quite frankly, as long as you have credit scores. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Well into the 700s. Let's say, you know, 646, uh, or I'm sorry, 740 or 760 or above. Uh, you're going to get the best deals uh, on pretty much any credit card, on mortgages, on auto loans, pretty much everything that you would be applying for. Uh, I like to kind of joke and say, you know, pretty much anything over 760, uh, you're pretty much just showing off. You it's know? bragging I mean, rights, not right? Not a lot of extra points. Yes, there's not a lot of extra points or benefits you know, once you get over that 760 mark. So, but your advice is get to that 740 mark. Yeah, I mean, 760, 740 is considered very good credit. And I'll tell you that most of the, uh, you know, when I look at a matrix on most lending programs, pretty much if you're at 740 or above, you know, 760, you are, you know, you're going to get the best possible rates and terms. So there's really not, you know, and, and I'm not saying, you know, hey, go go miss a few payments and you know and and you know not paying attention don't pay attention to it but uh don't freak out if you're you know if you're not 805 or 850 you're going to be okay you're going to still get good terms on your loans you're not getting extra credits is what you're saying <laughs> no you don't get, <laughs> they don't give you like you know once you get over 800 they don't like you know take an additional you know half a percent off of all of your rates or anything like that so, no gold star um, you know, for that <laughs> nope, you're pretty much just showing off. So, you know, if you had an 850 credit score, it would basically mean that you would be getting, you know, the top marks in all the different sections of a FICO score. The sections of a FICO score are basically, you know, 35% of your FICO score is how you make your payments. So having no late payments and that sort of thing. 30% is amounts owed. How much of your available credit have you utilized? Okay, so yeah, you want to keep you know, your limits, uh, you know, uh, you, you don't want to use any more than, say, 20 to 30 percent of what your limits are. Let's uh, dig into that a little bit, is... Britt, because I want to make sure people understand mm -hmm. what that credit utilization component is, um, especially when it has to do with credit cards, right? We all have limits on our credit cards. And I think it's easy to be like, well, I'm not mm -hmm. going over my limits, uh, so I'm good. But that actually isn't good from a credit utilization standpoint. Explain that. Sure. Uh, the FICO scoring model says, you know, pretty much if you're using, you know, well over 30%, if you get to where you're using like 70, 80, or even 100% of what is available to you on your, you know, on your available credit, on your, on your credit cards, they see that as risky behavior. They see that as, you know, more, more, more of that uh, kind of behavior tends to end up in def defaults on, you know, other accounts like, you know, car loans and mortgages and credit cards. So, um, and the mistake a lot of people make is they say, hey, you know what? I pay my balance off every month. Yeah, I might run it up to its limit, but then I pay it right off. Well, if you don't have a lot of other uh, available credit from other accounts, which, you know, in many cases, uh, people just have one credit card, you know, and they don't have a lot of other open available, you know, uh, accounts. Mm -hmm. So what happens is, is it looks like you're using 100 percent of what's available to you. 
Now, if you have one card that you kind of use up to its limit, but you have five other credit cards with, you know, $60,000 and other limits, and you're really only using, you know, according to FICO, they say the average high FICO achiever is only using about 7% of, yeah. of what is overall available to them. So, you know, what you want to do is you want to manage your amounts owed or your debt utilization in a, in a manner that the way you run your finances on a monthly basis, you don't want to look as though you're using, you know, any more than, say, 20 or 30 percent, or if you want to be a high FICO achiever, less than 7 percent of what's overall available to you. Now, that's on all of your available cards, okay? So if you have five credit cards and $60,000 available, even if you are, you know, charging up to, say, uh, you know, four or $5,000 uh, on one particular card, and if that's close to its limit, that does kind of go into the calculation, but they put more weight on the overall available credit. You're listening to Simply Money tonight here on 55KRC. We are joined by our credit expert, Britt Scares from Emory Federal Credit Union with some great insights, right? If you are aiming for the perfect credit score, well, we give you all kinds of props for that 800 plus, that 850, but really what you need to be striving for is 740. Britt, for people who aren't there yet, uh, how long does it take to see um, a sizable difference, right, in the change of your credit score? How often does your score change? Well, it actually changes based on the information that is reported to the credit bureaus. So whenever you pull your credit score, that is a snapshot at that moment in time based on what is being reported on your credit report. So what what does that mean? Well, you know, how long have your accounts been open? You know, what are your current balances? Are there any late, uh, you know, are there any delinquencies or late uh, payments? Those sorts of things. Um, uh, have you opened any new credit in the you know in the last 12 months or 24 months? Those are all things that will go into your FICO score. So you know if you are um, going to let's say you have one credit card and you pretty much use it up. Let's say it's a $3,000 limit and you use it up to about 2,800 bucks every month and you pay it right off. Right? You're being responsible, right? Yeah. Well, <laughs> here's the thing. What's going to be what's going what's going to be reported to the credit bureaus is whatever is going to be reported on your statement. So if your statement balance says $2800 and you have a limit of 3000, what's going to look like you're maxed out even though you pay it off every single month? Yeah. Okay? So if you have a if you're in that particular situation, what you need to do to make sure that what is being reported uh, on the statement every month, you want to make payments, maybe even multiple payments throughout the cycle, okay, throughout the month uh, on your account so that what gets put on the statement is a lower balance, you know. So, you know, make a make extra, you know, three or four or $500 payments throughout the month so that, you know, maybe what gets reported to the credit bureau is only like a $900 or $800 balance if you, if you can't pay it off in, you know, in full. So um, that that is one strategy if you don't have a lot of other available credit limits on other accounts. And Brent, I want to get your take on this. There are some kind of financial gurus out there that have pretty loud voices um, in the space of you know people trying to make good decisions about money who will say uh, credit cards are bad. You know, not a tool. I mean, there's no need to have them. What do you say about that kind of way of thinking when it comes to your overall credit score? Yeah, I I agree with a lot of the gurus uh, regarding no debt. You know, I yeah. I think it's a great idea to have no debt payments and and do your best to not pay interest and that sort of thing. But the way our financial system is set up, um, are there ways 
if you closed every account on your credit report and you know lived with all cash, are there are there ways uh, to perhaps get a small uh, institution that does manual underwriting for things like mortgages and uh, and that sort of thing? Uh, is there a way to get loans uh, for that kind of thing? Yes, but by and large, your life is going to be much more difficult. Yeah. Um, you really kind of get to be responsible with at least one or two maybe credit cards. Um, and if you can get to the point where you don't need, you know, mortgages and you don't need car loans and that sort of thing, and you can pay cash for them, uh, that's great. But I will tell you that if you don't keep at least one or two accounts open, uh, eventually you'll have no credit score. And that will affect everything from your auto insurance rates uh, to your ability to get mortgages, you know, your homeowner's insurance rates, sometimes even your ability to get jobs. It, it really does uh, affect a lot of parts of your life. Your life will be a lot simpler if you can at least, you know, responsibly uh, utilize a, you know, one or two credit card accounts. Great insights tonight from Brit Scarce, right? On for those of you who are overachievers and want that perfect credit score of 850, really 740 and above, you're just bragging 740 and below. Uh, you've got a ways to go in order to make sure you're doing the best that you can for your financial situation. You've been listening to Simply Money here on 55KRC, the talk station. You're listening to Simply Money. I'm Amy Wagner along with Steve Sprovac. Coming up in just a few minutes, why your next date night might cost, well, some sticker shock for you. We'll explain. You know, Steve, we get it. We know how tempting this is. Everyone has a friend who has the story about the investment that they made in the one stock, and they made a boatload of money on it. We all know that that friend also doesn't talk about all the losses. (laughs) But when you hear those stories, I think it's really easy to say, okay, uh, let me look around, see what's going on in the world, and see what I think makes sense. The next company that's going to go from little to huge. And, you know, during the pandemic, there were a number of companies that were on nobody's radar uh, that came in big time. And there's a lesson now because here we are just a year removed from some of these companies being big winners. And they're not big winners much anymore. No kidding. It's amazing how many stock-picking geniuses (laughs) we found last year. You know, when when the market's going up, everybody's a genius. And, you know, this is easy. Can't lose. And and then the next correction that you have, oh, my goodness, does it get ugly and does it get ugly quick? Because, you know, you you think in a rising market, all boats rise with the tide. I'm going to pick the best out of the bunch. Oh, look at that. It did go up. I guess I am that smart. You know, why do I need an advisor and and that sort of thing? And, And you know, uh, anything that goes up must come down. And we saw a lot of that earlier this year. And and for some stocks, it continues. So this time last year, think about what was going on. If you were not yet vaccinated, you were checking websites 85 times a day trying to find an appointment to get vaccinated. So it would make a ton of of sense uh, to look at Moderna, right? One of the first, the front leaders, the front runners with a vaccine and say, this is, you know, I'm going all in on Moderna. Well, their shares have dropped 50% this year. Uh, So yeah, it was a genius idea last year. Maybe if you thought to get in, would you have gotten out? Would there, you have thought that already? No kidding. I, I mean, I made 143% last year. So, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, he, here's the thing everybody forgets. First of all, anytime you buy a stock, you're convinced it's going up from somebody who was equally convinced it was going down. Yes. You forget that part of it, you know? The push so, and pull of it, yeah. Exactly. So, you know, one guy gets out because he thinks it's going to nosedive, and, you know, you're all, all excited because it may go up. So, okay, you, you bought your stock. 
What's your exit plan? Have you even thought about that? Is there a price that you say, if it hits here, I'm out? When you, If you happen to be a gambler and go to the casino and, and play blackjack, I, I mean, do you walk out after you make 100 bucks, 200 bucks? Because you know the house always wins there. You know, so you kind of have to think that way about stocks. So what price do you want to get out? Um, is the reason you bought it no longer valid? You know, you bought it because they were going to get FDA approval. You were going to buy it because they were expecting a nice, nice big fat earnings surprise. Did that happen or did it not? If it did not happen, um, maybe you got to rethink why you still own that stock. You've always got to look at your exit plan on any individual stock and, and just acknowledge you're not going to be right all the time because the best in the world that get paid tens of millions of dollars don't get it right every time. So why do you think you can? But what a head game this is, right? Yeah. Because August of last year, uh, Biotech closed, uh, Moderna closed the record high of $484, right? Since then, they've fallen 74%. <laughs> Oops. Uh, right. But, like, if you were waiting to say, well, there, there's some, some triggering event, right, that you might be right. waiting for of why this wouldn't be a good stock anymore. Sometimes it doesn't make sense. There's just investors who thought, all right, well, we're done with that. Vaccines, boosters, I don't know, like out of Moderna. Yeah, and, and it's not just Moderna, but, you know, I, I'll tell you the one that I really was convinced was, was going to have its ups and then downs What was Peloton. I mean, think of all the Nordic tracks that people bought 20 years ago that yep. are sitting underneath the bed, <laughs> gathering dust. and, and you Or know, they're here, like part of someone's closet with clothing hanging on it. Yep. I know. And here we are in a pandemic that, you know, isn't going to last forever. But people want to pay money to ride a stationary bike and have somebody yell at them. I, I mean, I just saw that. I saw the writing on the wall at some point. OK, that's not going to fit under the bed when you're getting tired of using that. And, yep. and you know, that's another one. Peloton stock dropped quite a bit uh, down 34 uh, percent year to much? date yeah oh, year to date and another one zoom right if you had asked right. me two years and a month ago what zoom was well i could tell you we had just kind of started to use it a little bit yeah. for some meetings and things like that zoom zoomed it took off during yeah. the pandemic everybody uses it right now but everybody's still using it so why would you think that zoom stock would go down well guess what it's down 40 percent year to date you could have bought it right you could have gotten in because it made a lot of sense but would you have gotten out by well now? and i think these are great examples of why we're not big on individual stocks yep. yes you can make a lot of money but you're getting into you know it's it's risk and reward Okay, you, whenever you have something that, that can double or triple your money, it can also lose you a lot. And I would much rather have a diversified portfolio. This is a definition of mutual funds and exchange-traded funds. If you want to be in the stock market, let's split that money up between lots of different companies. So if one nosedives on you, it doesn't crush your value. It doesn't crush your net worth. It's one of many that hopefully the other uh, the other stocks in the, in that mutual fund or ETF, they're going up and being successful while that one stinker went down. So you're always going to have a stinker in the mix. Just don't make it more than 10% of your portfolio. I mean, that's that's why we diversify. It's it's boring, but straight, you know, straight line returns or something close to straight line returns are a whole heck of a lot better than crazy ups and downs and roller coasters. Yeah, I think sometimes it's just good to look back at these stocks, right, that seemed like bulletproof winners just a year yeah. ago, and now they're absolute stinkers now. There's a lesson in that for all of us. Here's yeah. a Simply Money point. Last year's hot stock becomes this year's dud. There's just no way of knowing. So to be safe, avoid big bets on individual companies. Coming up, a warning for your wallet before you book that next 
babysitter. We will explain. You're listening to Simply Money here on 55KRC, the talk station. You're listening to Simply Money. I'm Amy Wagner along with Steve Spravak. Steve, it seems like we just cannot catch a break these days from inflation. We're finally getting out of the pandemic. We feel safe to get out there again. But for those who have younger kids who are ready for a date night, inflation is not only hitting us at the grocery store or the pump, it's hitting us in the form of the babysitter. It is incredible. Some of the numbers <laughs> I'm seeing here. Wow. Did, have you ever Have you ever babysat? When you yes. were younger? Yeah, oh, what? yeah, absolutely. I, I had I mean, a summer babysitting job. But I honestly, I think I got paid $3.50 an hour okay. for three kids. For three kids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was rich by the end of that summer by my standards. I, my, I forget the exact numbers, but I know my wife told me when she was a kid and she started babysitting at 12, 13, I, it was under a buck. I, yeah. I, I know that, you know, it's, it's it's the average rate for babysitters now is over $20 an hour. Yes. I, I mean, that's I I got to start babysitting. That's some pretty serious money. <laughs> I think there's going to be a lot of people who are like <laughs> quitting their jobs like, hey, you got some kids I can babysit. We talked about inflation and the fact that, you know, last month inflation was up 7.5 percent from now it's 7.9, close to 8 percent. Yeah. But yet this is up. Babysitter's pay is up 11 percent year over year. Oh, and it's not just babysitting. I My son was telling me preschool, $800 a month, you, you know, and, and yeah, this is, uh, boy, you know, yeah. and I, I, I think that's why a lot of people, and in particular women with, with young kids, are saying, you know, am I really that farther ahead financially if I'm working and paying for babysitters in preschool or should yeah. I just stay home? Well, it's supply and demand, right? This is yeah. capitalism. This is how it works. Yeah. Basic tenet of the economy. But there's less people. There's less people babysitting, right? I mean, there's people who, especially when you think about daycares and things like that, when there was so much uncertainty at the beginning of this and all the kids coming in, uh, people got out. And so now there's less sitters out there for us to pay for. So it makes perfect sense. Um, but it's kind of crazy to think about it. In $20.57, if you've got one kid. Yeah. If you've got two or three kids, yeah. cha-ching, cha-ching, cha-ching. Well, and and it's not just, you know, kids don't work as much as they did, I think, when you and I were young. Uh, and you've got a lot of adults entering the field. I mean, you've got school teachers that didn't want to go back to teaching. And, yeah. and so they're offering their services to babysit and teach kids at, at home. Well, they're not going to do it for $5 an hour. They've got know? experience, right, that they're exactly. bringing to the table. They can help educate your kids. You know, I mean... I, I would assume that most babysitters nowadays put my kids in front of a TV. Uh, they play on their phones, you know, like yeah. that's probably, but you know, these are people who are invested in making sure that it's a great experience for your kids. That's fantastic. But when you think about, okay, if you're going out to dinner, so the cost of gas to get to wherever you're going and then the prices at the restaurant, well, everything from the containers to the forks, to the napkins, to the chicken or whatever it is you're ordering, the restaurant's paying more for that. So they're passing that on to you. And then when you get home the tab from the babysitter for maybe three hours is 60 plus 60 bucks plus like it's almost starting to be like a mini vacation you've got to save up for a night out i yeah i, I well we're past that stage i don't know how young couples are doing it i, yeah. I really don't you know cost of buying into a new house cost of daycare cost of uh, uh, babysitting it's getting crazy expensive i hope it settles down Plan for it. Don't let it catch you off guard. You've been listening to Simply Money tonight here on 55KRC, the talk station.
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.